As a rule, I've never gotten involved in politics. Personally, I don't really care these days. I've lived for over 500 years. I've seen regimes rise and fall, and I never really cared to involve myself with their petty squabbles. I hate to say that I see myself as above all that, but I really do. With one or two exceptions, I stayed out of the countless wars that have raged throughout my life. The last time I even held a rifle was the 1940s, while I was living in the UK. And since then, I've avoided everything else. There's a laugh. A bloodthirsty monster who hates war. My former partner Gustav had once said. The blood I can stomach. The rest of it? I've had my fill. I'd reply back then. And those words still ring true. I'm not a soldier. Nor am I a man who's all that inclined towards conflict by nature. What I am is a simple immortal looking to fill his endless time with as much pleasure as possible. Should a cause be worth fighting for, then I'm not adverse to doing so. But violence for the sake of violence has not proven an ideal solution in the past, and I doubt that's ever likely to change. My name is Robert Marsh, and if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm a vampire. I'm not the only one of my kind out there either nor am I the only monster that lurks in the darkness. There are so many entities out there, more than I could ever possibly name, and most of them are far more dangerous than I am. Not just to the poor people who come across them, but to each other as well. Some time ago, I was recruited by an organisation known as the FRB, looking to neutralise that threat. And ever since, I've worked for them as an agent of sorts. My job is simple. I ensure that the supernatural doesn't hurt people. Usually that involves putting down anything that becomes too much of a threat. But every now and then, things get complicated. It was during my first year in Canada when I was dispatched to a town called Pinewood, way up north of Toronto. The briefing I'd gotten had been sparse on details. Going in, all I knew was that I was there to look into some disappearances, and that the people who'd be meeting me in Pinewood would fill me in on everything else. I remember that it was noon by the time I rolled into town. Pinewood was very much an empty town in the middle of nowhere. I remember thinking that this would be the perfect place for just about any kind of supernatural antics one might imagine to go down unnoticed. And my mind immediately shifted to the worst case scenarios. Ancient gods, twisted fae monsters and the like. I had no idea that what was actually in store for me wouldn't be so blissfully straightforward. I'd been told to meet with my new contacts at the diner in the centre of town. Dressed in my suit, I stood out amongst the quiet locals having lunch there. A few eyes turned towards me as I found a booth in the corner, where nobody would be likely to overhear anything. The waitress, a middle-aged woman with too much makeup, was over to take my order immediately. I just asked for a water and scanned the others sitting in the diner, looking for any likely suspects. Close by were two old men who had glanced at me before going back to their conversation, a single mother and her child in another booth too preoccupied to give a damn about me, and three young women 
dressed up like they were heading out for a night on the town. Their outfits showed off some serious skin. Short shorts, bared midriffs and the like. One of them was a redhead with short curly hair and another one had long blonde hair tied back in a ponytail. And the third one had sun-kissed skin and wore a wicker cowboy hat. I knew before they even stood up that those were my three contacts. I'd seen their type plenty of times before. Sirens. For the most part, sirens look like young, beautiful women. They dress for sex appeal and like to flirt. Beyond that though, they're not all that different from vampires. Both of us feed on blood, tend to prey on humans, and live for a hell of a long time. If it weren't for their gills and the ability to hypnotise, it'd basically be kin. The redhead was watching me, sizing me up. I just stared back at her, and without so much as exchanging a word, we told each other everything that we needed to know about each other. She was a hothead, not one for small talk. Mischievous, but not careless. Probably smarter than she looked, and at that moment, she was all business. Ironic, considering her attire. She stood up from her spot at the table. The other two with her followed close behind. Her green eyes were fixated on me, intense, cautious. One wrong move and she'd have no problem tearing me limb from limb, and with the help of her other two friends, I had no doubt that she could actually pull it off too. Well aren't you subtle, she said with a whistle. So where's the other blues brother, setting up for the show? I'm all you get, unfortunately, I replied plainly. She just huffed in response clearly unamused. I don't suppose you're the ones who contacted the FRB. That would be our elders. I'm here on their behalf, the redhead said before she sat down. Her friends did the same, one on each side of me. The one in the cowboy hat tipped me a friendly smile that didn't reach her eyes. And them? I asked. They're here on my behalf. A girl can't be too safe. Besides, the elders don't like us going out alone right now. I raised an eyebrow. I was told that there were disappearances. I assumed that they were human disappearances. Did you know? Well, that wouldn't be very exciting, would it, Mr... Marsh. Robert Marsh. Marsh. The girl repeated. You can call me Shelby. That's Janelle, and that's Kayla. She gestured to the blonde and the girl in the cowboy hat, respectively. Charmed, Kayla said playfully. Her voice had a slight southern twang to it. She wasn't native. I didn't respond to her. My attention remained on Shelby. It must be bad if your kind's calling the FRB, I said. Believe me, if any of us had any say on the matter, you and I wouldn't be talking, Shelby growled. But I don't make those decisions. I just work here. Here being... We're with Clan Silver Lake. Our community is up the road, near a camping area. We've been there for about 50 years. Normally, it's quiet out this way. Normally. I could hear the grated frustration in her voice. I tried not to take it personally. So how many are missing? I asked. Five sisters, all over the past three months. They went out to feed, and never came back. 
None of us have ever seen something like this. We don't know what's going on. It ain't just Silver Lake, Kayla chimed in. I haven't even been here two years, but this exact same shit's been happening to the other communities. We lost ten sisters in the year before I left Choke Canyon down in Texas. We're losing them in Del Rio too, about twenty years back. I heard the rumours of other disappearances as well. You're sure? I asked, glancing between Shelby and Kayla. Last I heard, the FRB isn't aware of any siren disappearances. Oh really? You didn't get the messages we left on your answering machine? Shelby asked. What happens in our communities isn't the FRB's goddamn business. The only reason our elders chose to involve you is because we're out of options. More and more of us have been moving north. We keep hearing about sisters going missing and now it's happening here, there's nowhere else to run. We've had more and more sisters head this way over the past decade. More than we can sustain. We go any further north and we'll run out of prey. Our deep sisters won't permit us into the oceans. The elders have convened. Something has to be done. My brow furrowed. I dealt with sirens plenty of times over the centuries. Never once had I heard of their elders coming together. Sirens are reclusive by nature. Their communities were small and tight-knit, no larger than ten or twenty individuals consisting exclusively of females and children. Too large, and they'd overfeed on the nearby human population, risking their own discovery and safety. Males were left to wander, both to reduce the risk of inbreeding and to avoid their more violent demeanours. I see. My response was pensive, thoughtful. I took a moment to unpack the information that I'd been given. Shelby waited quietly, watching me all the while. I don't suppose you've got any leads to get me started. Any idea who might be behind this? When the hunters become the hunted, the obvious suspects the prey, Kayla said. Shelby shot her a look, but she kept talking. Sisters go out to hunt and don't come back? My gut tells me they found some prey, and that the prey got to them first. That's ridiculous. We'd know if that was the case, Shelby snapped. Not if they're smart, Kayla replied. We're on our fucking knees here begging to these goddamn bureaucrats for help. The least we can do is give them the facts. We're being hunted, and we need to show our teeth and remind them who we are. That's not fact. That's speculation. Oh, blow it out your ass, Shelby. You know I'm right, Kayla snapped. Her eyes darted back to me. And I reckon you do too, don't you? I glanced at Shelby, who looked just as annoyed now. But I couldn't say that Kayla was outright wrong. Her theory was better than nothing. I can't say for sure if you're right. Not without evidence, I said. Although I suppose there is a simple way to either prove you're right or prove you're wrong. I could see Kayla's eyebrow raise slightly. Shelby kept her poker face. You said that it's the sirens who go out on the hunt and get taken, right? Well, if that's the case, we could set up a trap. See if they take the bait. Absolutely not, Shelby said. We've already lost five sisters. I'm not risking losing a sixth. Well, what else the hell have you got? Kayla asked her. Shit, I suggested that weeks ago, and you said the same goddamn thing. Hell, I'll even play the decoy if you want. But unless you've got something better... Shelby didn't respond. Kayla looked at me, and then back to her. Well, then I'd say it's decided. I'll play decoy, vampire. You just tell me where and when. 
Shelby gave a resigned sigh, but didn't argue. Fine. She looked over to the blonde siren. Janelle, go inform Mother Rose that Kayla and I are going to remain in town with a vampire from the FRB, and that we'll be using a decoy to try and lure our aggressor out. Of course. The blonde siren got up and left without a further word. Shelby's attention returned to me. I hope you know what you're doing, vampire. Because if we lose another one of our numbers tonight, I'll kill you myself. Just trust me when I tell you that you won't, I said. Shelby didn't look convinced. She just huffed, and then stood up to leave. Kayla watched her go, grinning from ear to ear like a spoilt child. Alright then, partner. Why don't you and me discuss when we're going to get started? The bar was called the Twisted Moose Pub, and I imagined that it was the regular hunting ground for all the sirens of Silver Lake. That said, there were slim pickings to be found here, even on what should have been at least a moderately busy night. The place was far from busy. Having frequented my own share of pubs, clubs and bars throughout my life, the Twisted Moose stands out only for how dead it felt. Most of the patrons were older men, who were probably veterans of the local lumber mill. Just one look at them told me that they'd been born in Pinewood, and that they were likely to die in Pinewood. I imagine they'd had more of their fair share of unexplained scars, where teeth had sank through their flesh to spill their blood. I sat near the end of the bar, watching the mirror behind it, so that I could see everything that went on behind me without seeming too conspicuous. I dressed down, but I could still tell that I didn't fit in with the rest of the crowd here. The old regulars had given me wary glances and a wide berth. Even the bartender, a trashy thing in her forties who smelled like urine and cigarettes, gave me the evil eye as she poured my drink. Straight scotch. Something told me that red wine in this place wouldn't be up to my standards. I was nursing my drink when I saw Kayla and Shelby coming in through the door. Kayla was first, a cowboy hat perched upon her head and dressed for attention. Her top was cut low to show off her navel without exposing her gills. Her skirt covered nothing, and there was nothing but tanned, perfect skin between where it ended and where her cowboy boots began. I'm not ashamed to admit that I caught myself admiring her beauty, and I know I wasn't alone in that. She certainly got a warmer reception than I had from the regulars. Shelby, on the other hand, was all business. She hadn't dressed to hunt. She wasn't looking for attention. She exposed almost no skin and wore a baseball cap to leave her more androgynous. The only hint at what she really was were the red sandals she wore, which were probably the only shoes she owned. She quietly skulked over to me and took a seat at the bar beside me. See anything interesting outside? I asked. The usual, she replied. Nothing seems off, if that's what you're asking. Good. I took a sip of my drink and reached into my pocket to take out a pager and I pushed it across the bar to her. What's this? She asked. A two-way pager. I'll let you know when Kayla leaves the bar with someone. I need you to watch outside to make sure that we don't lose them before I've got a chance to follow. It's easier if you do it. Less chance of you being recognized in here. She hesitated a moment before she took the pager. So what? You just want me to sit in the woods? She asked. That's a good point. I have to have my car keys. 
Do you know how to drive? I know, but I don't exactly have a license. Don't worry about that. Just keep the engine on. I'll follow Kayla out and I'll meet you in the car. Then we'll see where she goes. If we're unlucky, she'll eat and we'll try again tomorrow night. But if we're lucky, Shelby took the keys and stuffed them into her pocket. We'll see, she said, before getting up to leave. I polished off my drink and gestured to the bartender for a refill. We likely had a long wait ahead of us. I watched Kayla as she socialised with various folks. Some of them seemed to know her, others didn't. I didn't listen in too closely on their conversations. I'd asked her to refrain from using her hypnosis on anyone, to which she begrudgingly agreed. She was to leave with anyone who suggested it, which I hoped would be enough. I didn't exactly expect to get any results that evening. If anything, I expected nothing to happen. But I suppose sometimes you get lucky. Perhaps it was the sight of a siren ignoring the rules that had been set up for their safety that was impossible to resist. Perhaps it was something else. But somebody took the bait. He'd come in about an hour and a half after we had, and sat in the booth at the back. He was a squat, balding, toad-like man, with big horned sunglasses and a shady demeanour. But looking at him, nothing seemed immediately off. He smelled human, and I suppose at a glance, that put him beneath suspicion. He bought Kayla a drink, and lured her over to his booth. I'd watched as she sat on his lap, her arm draped around him as they talked in a whispered tone. He was all hands with her, running them along her thighs as if he truly believed he was going to get lucky. When she stood up and reached out to take his hand, the first thought that crossed my mind was one of disappointment. Imagined our little stakeout had just been blown by some middle-aged lowlife with a thing for cowgirls. Still, I sent a page to Shelby and left some cash on the bar before getting up to follow them out into the darkened parking lot. They hadn't gotten far by the time I got out the door. I could see that the man had his arm around Kayla's waist as he led her to the rusty old white pickup truck. Neither of them seemed to notice me as I headed towards my black sedan. I could hear the engine running and spotted Shelby in the driver's seat, watching Kayla and her date getting into the truck. That's who she left with? She asked, almost disgusted as I got into the passenger seat. He's unremarkable, I said. Smells human. If I had to guess, he's not our man. Only one way to be sure, Shelby replied before shifting my car into drive. As the truck pulled out the parking lot, we followed at a distance. I swear to God, if Kayla's fucking right about this, I'll kill her myself. If she's right, you might not have to, I replied. For what it's worth, I don't think it's just regular humans behind these disappearances, but I do think Kayla might be half right. What do you mean? I think we might not have been the only ones who set a trap tonight. I opened my glove box and took out my Colt 1911. I checked the clip before making sure the holster was on my belt. Shelby eyed the gun out of the corner of her eye. That gun ever help you in your line of work? She asked. More often than you'd think. You'd be disappointed with just how many things are put down with just a 45 caliber bullet to the skull. You ever killed a sister with that thing? Once or twice. But I assure you that any sirens on my radar deserved what they got. Shelby scoffed. 
I don't doubt that. I just always thought that we were tough to kill, though. Not that I've killed many sisters myself. If it's any consolation, unless it's a headshot at close range, it would take a few bullets to put down something like you. Like I said, I've only had to put down a couple of sirens in my time. Neither of them made it easy for me. I was quiet for a moment before I understood what Shelby had really been asking. While I do believe it's possible for a well-armed human to kill a siren, I think they'd have a hell of a time trying to pull it off. I suppose that's comforting, Shelby murmured. Her eyes remained fixated on the taillights ahead of us. Why is that? I asked. She hesitated a moment before she replied. Kayla's convinced that we're all fucked. Sometimes it's hard to argue with her, especially since she's probably seen it more than I have. We don't breed as quickly as we should. Our communities are getting smaller and smaller. Food has never been scarce before, but with so many sisters coming up north, she shook her head. I've got enough reasons to be afraid for our future, without us being killed off by the same people we hunt. I nodded solemnly. It's hard on the faith these days, I said. I won't pretend to understand, but I've seen enough to know how bad it is. Count yourself lucky that you don't understand. Every time I leave home, I'm terrified that when I come back, it'll be gone. That someone would have just come and wiped us out while I wasn't looking. I doubt it'll come to that, I said, and I tried to offer a reassuring smile. Shelby didn't seem to notice, and she didn't seem reassured. She just kept her eyes on the road ahead of us. The white pickup truck turned up a dirt driveway, and we followed. The road rocked beneath us. We could only see tail lights ahead of us through the trees. I reached over to turn down our headlights to make us harder to notice. The truck came to a stop ahead, in front of a large white house. Shelby's eyes narrowed at the sight of it, but she didn't say anything. In the low light, my eyes were better suited than hers to see. I watched as the man from the bar got out with Kayla bouncing at his side. He led her to his front door, grinning vicariously as they disappeared inside. We continued up the driveway, slightly faster now, before coming to a stop at the bottom. Shelby threw my car door open and got out. I got out behind her. Hold up, I called. Let's take this slow. Don't rush in. Why not? They're alone. If he's going to do something, give it a moment, I said as I walked past her. Come on, we'll check the perimeter first, then we'll go in. I knew that she didn't like it, but Shelby didn't argue. She fell in behind me as I went around the side of the house. From the smell of it, there was only one human present, and the house was, well, lived in. I could smell sweat, food, alcohol, and countless other things that told me as much. Rounding the back, I spotted a large backyard that had been recently mowed. I could see some lights of some neighbouring houses nearby, although they were far enough away that we were as close to alone as we were going to get. Then I heard it. Faint, but there. A pained cry. Kayla. Shelby reacted before I did, taking off like a shot towards the back door of the house. With inhuman strength, she slammed against the door and broke it off its hinges. 
She disappeared inside before I could catch up. I could smell the human, and I could smell Kayla, but beneath those two scents was something else, something chemical. I heard the man cry out as Shelby found him, and by the time that I made it into the living room where she'd found him, she'd already had him pinned up against the wall by the throat. Kayla was awake and unharmed, but slumped against the living room sofa, clutching her arm. She glared venom at the man, and it didn't take me long to figure out just what he had tried to do. I spotted the empty syringe on the floor, and knew what he had done. Got you now, fucker, Shelby growled, her teeth bared in anticipation of the kill. The toad-like man's eyes were wide with terror as he struggled to scream. His legs kicked uselessly in the air as he stared at his death. Stuck me, Kayla murmured. Her words were slurred as if she was drunk. That motherfucker. She tried to stand, and then collapsed. I caught her and brought her over to the sofa. What was in the syringe? I demanded, looking over at the man. Shelby let him up enough to speak, although all he managed was a terrified whisper. What was in the syringe? I snapped. He flinched before finally finding his words. Just a sedative. I swear, it's just a sedative. She'll be fine. She'll wake up in a bit. Wake up? Kayla murmured. The fuck? A sedative? Shelby asked. You want to tell me why you needed to give her a fucking sedative? I just needed to get her in the tank. I wasn't going to hurt her. I swear, I swear. What tank? Shelby's face was just inches from his, and the rage in her voice was enough to make me recoil slightly. In the basement. They gave me a tank to put them in the basement, to keep girls like her in. Who? I don't know. Crocodile tears streamed down the man's cheeks, although none of us felt any pity for him. I, I don't know. I just call them whenever I find a girl, and they pick her up. I, I don't know what they do. I, I swear, I, I don't know. Then you're useless to us, Shelby snarled before going in for the kill. Wait, I called. She paused, glaring at me, but at least humoringly. You said you needed to call them first, right? You call them whenever you have a girl, and they pick her up. The man nodded weakly. Yeah, yeah, I, I call them. I, I can call them for you right now. I I'll do it right now, and I'll tell them I got one. Shelby released him pushed him aside. The man hit the floor with a thud. I half expected him to run, but he seemed to know better. Instead, he slowly got up and put his hands up. See? See? I I'm, I'm calling. I I'm calling. He shuffled over to the phone in his living room and picked it up. With a shaking hand, he dialed the number and watched as warily as the phone rang. Shelby and I stared expectantly back at him. Kayla probably would have too if she hadn't just passed out. I could hear someone picking up on the other end, and the man perked up. Hello? Uh, this is Dave. Dave Armstrong. I've got a delivery to be picked up tomorrow morning. Just thought I'd let you know. He smiled sheepishly, as if it was making the situation any easier. A voice on the other end of the line spoke before it went dead. Hello? The man asked again, before trailing off. He looked at us before quietly putting the phone down. They, um, they do that a lot, so I, I guess they'll probably be here in the morning to pick up the tank and and, and th then I get paid, and 
And that's it? That's it. I repeated. Guess we'll see who shows up in the morning. Guess we will, Shelby said. In the meantime, we're going to need something to put in the tank. Her eyes settled on the man again. Maybe I could have stopped her. But I didn't. Her arm shot out to seize him by the shirt and pull him closer. He managed one final scream before her teeth sank into his neck. His blood smelled sour, but there was no point in letting it go to waste.